0: Have you ever felt disappointed by the experiences the Lord is taking you through? A gospel worker named Ruth knows exactly what that's like. She was serving the Lord in a nation in South Asia, but then her ministry was completely uprooted when she was told to leave the country immediately.
1: I was definitely confused. I remember sitting on the airplane and praying, God, you have called me to this place. I know that my work is not finished, and I'm supposed to go back. But I've been told I'm not allowed back in, so now what? Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio this week with uh, two guests. We're not going to tell you where they live. Uh, We're not going to tell you what organization they work with, Uh, but we are going to talk about what God is doing uh, in the southern part of Asia. We're going to call them Peter and Ruth. Peter and Ruth, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank Thank you. you. Ruth, I want to talk first to you because uh, part of your road to missions work and gospel work involved Voice of the Martyrs. So share that story with our listeners.
1: Yes. When I was in my mid-teens, my family started getting the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter magazine, and I remember reading that as a kid and just seeing the testimonies and the stories of these different Christians all over the world. And so it started getting me to think outside just my own world and, yeah, what's happening outside of where I grew up and around the world.
0: One of the things that, that you guys are doing now is you're training Christians in Bible memorization and sharing the stories of the Bible. Tell me a little bit about your work and how that how you do that, how that works.
1: Yes, the ministry we're working with is called Word by Heart. It transforms the gospel stories from text on a paper into real-life personal experiences. I'll just share a a little story, and that will help explain it, because Word by Heart is something that you can't explain it. You have to experience it. So, yeah, one day Jesus was teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd pressed in on him as they wanted to hear the word of the Lord. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge as the fishermen had left them and were washing out their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus said to Simon Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. And then Jesus sat down in the boat and began teaching the crowds from there. When he finished, he said to Simon Peter, Now go out into the deeper water and let down your nets to catch some fish. Peter said, Master, we have worked hard all night long, and heaven caught a single thing. "'But if you say so, I will let down my nets again.' This time, the nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A cry for help brought their partners in another boat, and soon, both of the boats were so full of fish they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees before Jesus, saying, "'Lord, please lead me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you.' For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught." as were his partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee. But Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. When they got back to the shore, they left everything and followed him. So this is a one-minute story from the gospel. And and and
0: just for our listeners, I want you to know, Ruth did not have a Bible in front of her when she was doing that. That was all from memory, but now, go ahead. It is yes. a one-minute story, but it's certainly different than handing somebody a sheet of paper that has it written on it. Exactly.
1: Now, a story like this, it's only one minute. What new thing can you find in this one-minute story about a miracle? But when we slow down and start looking at it, there's so much within this story, such as Jesus was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd pressed in on him. How many people are in a crowd? A hundred? Five hundred? A thousand? Five thousand? We don't know. But how often do we ask that question? And then, um, there were so many people pressing in on him as that he decided to go over to this empty boat and tell its owner to go out into the water. Now, Peter, it says later that he spent all night long, now this is a professional fisherman, trying to catch fish and they didn't catch a single one. How many times have we worked all day long trying to accomplish <laughs> one single <laughs> task and fail? How do we feel frustrated? Peter has just spent all night trying to fish as a professional fisherman and didn't catch anything. He could have said, "Ah, uh, forget it, buddy. I'm going home. But something about Jesus made him say, okay, what was Jesus teaching? What was he teaching? We don't know. But let's, you know, throw out some options. What could he be teaching? Then when he finished, he's told Simon to go out into the deep water and let down his nets. Now, any fisherman of that time would know that You can't go fishing in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in broad daylight. It's impossible. Their nets cannot go deep enough to catch the fish that are hiding at the bottom of the sea. So any fisherman would say, no, you're crazy. But what about Jesus' teaching made him say, but fine, I'll do this. If
0: you ask me to, I'll do it.
1: Right. And right now he's saying, master. Okay, master, fine. If you say so, I will. And again, how many... People are in the crowd watching this. He goes into the deep water and throws out his nets, and they become so full of fish they begin to tear. How many fish does it take to make nets begin to tear? What kind of fish? What do they smell like? What do they look like? If you were in that boat right now, what would you be feeling? Peter must have been like, what in the world is happening? He calls for his partners, then they come, and then both boats are so full of fish they are beginning to sink. They go back to the shore, and it says that he left everything to follow Jesus. What was that? He left his nets. He left his boat. He left the biggest catch of fish there was in history for him. He left his fame. He could have been rich and famous in that village. Oh, yeah, he's the one that caught this many fish. Jesus did the miracle, but he was a fisherman. Right. So he left so much to do what? To follow a homeless man who had no place to sleep that night. You know, like he had no guarantee of money. He had no guarantee of anything. But then we look in the book of Acts and we see so much that God did in through Mm -hmm. his life later on. And so we can ask ourselves this question of, for us, what have I been willing to do when, you know, it sounds impossible. No, I can't do this. But when God leads us, are we willing to step out in faith and obedience to allow God to work in and through our lives? And how has God worked in our lives when we do that? Or are we too afraid of the unknown and we're holding on to what we know? What if Peter had stayed because he was now rich and famous and he could have had a good life there? We wouldn't have had Peter's life in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's so much that we can learn from this little tiny story. I hope
0: the listeners get that sense of this was a one-minute story, but there's a lot there to dig into and to think about and to really let it kind of wallow in it, yes, if I can use that yes. that term. Peter, talk to me about why this Bible training is so significant in places like India or Pakistan, where there are Christians who who don't have, A, they don't have access to the Bible at all, but B, they don't necessarily have training in the Bible. Why is this methodology such a good way of of helping them get that biblical literacy? Uh, one of the things
2: is that uh, this thing is very e- effective. That many people in those in our country they don't know how to read and write. Anybody can listen. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, in you know, some places they don't know how to read. They have to ask their children to read for the anything. But if we go and just tell them, you know, a story, everybody can listen and they can realize, wow this is different i think that uh, that's the reason this storytelling thing is so effective in those countries
0: the other thing that that really happens very quickly is you tell me the story i can tell it to someone else <laughs> i mean it i don't have to have like gone to school or whatever i can tell a story to my family when i get home and we're having dinner tonight mm-hmm. just the same as everyone else could. So it it's a great way of spreading the message as well. Yeah. And it it uh, it goes very faster. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell this
2: story for like a 10 people or 15 people and those 10 15 people they can go and share more than you know their family or friends. So uh,
0: that's why it's very effective. Have you seen that happen where literally it just almost spreads like wildfire? <laughs> yes, some places.
2: Uh, Because the village people, they don't know how to read and write. When they go and just just tell this thing, their own language is more powerful. And we have seen that, you know, people, they love their own language, hearing, you know. And when they share, you know, wow, this is my language, you know. And people, they really, you know, enjoy listening and they
0: accept that. And one of the things, as I understand it, is if the scriptures haven't been translated yet into that language, you can still teach someone the stories. So how how does that work?
1: Yeah, so what we do in Word by Heart is we literally translate the gospel stories into personal experiences. And so anybody that speaks more than one language can tell you that it is very easy for them to share a story of their past experiences in any language that they speak, because it was an experience. Mm -hmm. However, that same person who speaks more than one language, if you ask them, in how many languages can you say this verse? They'd have to really think about it and try to translate it as they go, and it's very choppy. So what we do with Word by Heart is we translate the stories into personal experience where when you experience the gospel, as like the story I shared earlier with the Sea of Galilee, if you were really there at the Sea of Galilee, in your imagination, fine, but if you were really there and you picture the fish and the boats sinking and the smell and the response of the crowd and Peter falling on his face before Jesus, I will immediately be able to tell that story in another language that I speak because I was there.
0: And not only be able to tell the story, you almost have to tell the story. Exactly. I mean, if you were there and you saw mm. two boats come in full of fish, it's not like you're going to walk home and not mention it. Yeah. You're going to say, you got to hear what I saw today down at the, at the lake shore. Yes. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with uh, a couple that we're calling Peter and Ruth. They are gospel workers uh, currently in South Asia. We're talking about a program called Word by Heart, which helps people to learn the scriptures and then share the scriptures. Peter and Ruth, in some ways, this training is persecution-proof, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Why Why is that? Why is it so significant in closed nations, the way you train and the way the, the message spreads?
2: This is the many country— You know, some country, we cannot take the Bible. But if we know the Bible, you know, the word for word in our heart, and any country we go and just, they cannot take it away. It's (laughs) inside us. Right. Nobody can steal. It doesn't show
0: up on the x-ray machine when
2: you go through the airport. So that's why when we go to, you know, this country and just, uh, we can just share. And when, if something happened, like uh, any police or anybody can come. We're just talking, eating. You know, there's nothing. (laughs) I was just telling a story. Yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. Yes, and this multiplies really fast. I can be having dinner with a family and be running a seminar at the same time where I can be at a house for three hours and we can be eating and fellowshipping. And when I leave three hours later, everyone in that household will be able to say that story word for word with a personal experience take on it. And the next day, they can go to another house and do the same thing. You know, if there's five people in the family, they can go to five other houses for dinner. The police come in, they won't find anything because they're just having dinner.
0: People having dinner together and telling stories and laughing and having a good time.
1: No country can outlaw storytelling.
0: (laughs) Or eating dinner. (laughs) Or eating dinner. (laughs) How do you prepare people? Because you have worked in some countries where there is persecution. Uh, and potentially some of these storytellers could at some point run into persecution. How do you prepare them for that or equip them to go through that and not have it destroy them or destroy their faith? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, just having the gospel stories in our hearts, that is such a big thing for preparation. I mean, we look at how Jesus was treated He said it again and again that he was going to suffer and die. And yet he boldly continued on his way towards Jerusalem, knowing what was ahead, because he knew that that was why he's here. And so we work with the Gospels as our focus for Word by Heart, but we also do other stories, such as we're working on Ephesians. I also present Genesis 1 through 12. And so you can go through... Any stories in the Bible and just commit them to heart, and that will strengthen us. Acts. I mean, you want some persecution tips going through Acts and taking that to heart? It just gives a whole new outlook of life why we're here, what we're called to do. And I mean, Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gain.
0: You guys are traveling the world now and training people in this, in this storytelling process. How quickly do they pick it up? Pretty quick. <laughs> we have a method.
2: They just have to follow the method. Sometimes they said, oh, it doesn't work because they're not following the method. But once they follow the method, and everybody, they can learn this. And you've had literally from children to yeah. quite we old have, people. Yeah, we have a people you know from seven years old to 70 years old. Wow! So all of them, and and in word by heart, I have never seen people they fail.
0: Wow! Because it's hundred percent successful.
2: hundred percent is successful.
1: Yeah, in just twenty months, we've so in the in just twenty months, we've run six schools, and we've seen seventy different students learn the Gospel of Luke word for word in their mother language, ages seven to seventy. And we've had 17 different languages in just those schools. Wow. Plus an additional four extra languages that people had mother languages that have no Bible in that language. And because they're experiencing it, they can tell these stories word for word in their own languages. And so, yeah, we've never had somebody fail.
0: So how do you... As an English speaker, how do you train someone in a heart language that you don't speak? I mean, how does that? How do you cross that barrier?
1: Yeah, we'll have a translator. Okay. So there'll be a common language. So English and uh, Khmer for Khmer, Cambodia. You know, we'll be running the school in those two languages. So as long as all of the students can understand one or both of those languages, we can have discussion groups. We can do the main course, but all of the personal study times where you're actually learning the words of the gospel are in your mother language. And an amazing thing with Word by Heart is you can have any language being spoken. When somebody shares a story, if I already know that story in my heart, I can follow along word for word. And it's kind of scary. It's it's crazy. It's like the
0: Holy Spirit translates for you. So
1: we can have a student doing a 90-minute presentation, and 25 minutes into the presentation, they go blank and they're like, oh, no, I, I don't know what story comes next. They can look at me and I can give them a line
0: <laughs> in English, in English. <laughs>
1: of what comes next. And, and oh, they just yeah, pick right back they pick up, up and, and they continue on going. It's the demolishing of the Tower of Babel. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's a good way of Bridging saying
1: Bridging cultures, languages. It's amazing. And in different languages and cultures, you can see the gospel coming alive because Jesus was not American. And so seeing Jesus being portrayed by a Filipino or a Cambodian or a Bangladeshi, you know, it's amazing seeing who Jesus is in these other cultures through listening to their stories.
0: And many of these cultures are much more oral-based cultures anyway. So they have more of a storytelling sort of built in anyway. So that comes alive as well. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter and Ruth. They are gospel workers in the South Asia region, uh, and they're working in a program called Word by Heart. Ruth, you have had the chance to experience some difficulty in in the years of your work. Uh, I know at least one country has told you, please leave and don't ever come here again. How did God minister to you, or how did God carry you through that? Because I'm sure— on one hand, it's frightening to mm-hmm. be told those things. It's also frustrating. Wait a minute, God called me here. What's going on? Talk about how God was with you through that time.
1: I was definitely confused. I remember sitting on the airplane and praying, God, you have called me to this place. I know that my work is not finished, and I'm supposed to go back. But I've been told—
0: But they just stamped my you passport cannot. and yeah. said, don't come.
1: I'm not allowed back in. So— now what?
0: We can't tell the all of the story because we don't want to compromise the, yeah. <laughs> the fact that God did reopen the door. Yeah. So you're sitting on the plane having that conversation with God. Did, yeah. you f- did you feel like he answered you? Oh,
1: so clearly. I have my original birth name, but I also have a name that people in that country knew me by. And I remember sitting on the plane and God spoke just so clearly. You're already known as that name? you might as well make it legal. So I went to the U.S. I was on the U.S. plane and I talked to my parents. I'm like, I feel that I'm supposed to do this. Um, How do you feel about this situation? Because you gave me one name and now I'm thinking about changing it, but I don't want to go against you. And my parents Yeah, they said, okay, um, you'll always be (laughs) this to me, but you can, sure, why not?
0: These are the same parents that subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs newsletters. Yes, exactly. They were like, okay. And so,
1: yeah, my dad had a friend who helped make it legal, and one month later I was sitting on another airplane going back, and I was so excited, and yeah.
0: The Lord answers prayer. (laughs) The Lord answers prayer. Were there times during that? Period where you thought of other Christians who had faced persecution, either ones you've known personally, maybe ones you read about in VOM, maybe even from the scriptures. Mm -hmm. What, how did that work?
1: I've had two times in my life that I was told that I could never go back into missions in different locations. Um, One was this experience, and another one where I got really sick. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and I couldn't walk for a few months. And I remember when I was told that you can't go back. Just this, these questions of, but why? And how does this all work? And thinking about, yeah, so many stories of people that I've come across or I've read about that were told that they can't go back. And I mean, I saw so many examples of how, even if they couldn't return to that same place, God opened a new door. But in the depths of my heart, I was saying to God, I was like, I don't want a new door.
0: I like, the door, I like the door
1: that I'm in, and I want to keep this one. I'm open to if you're calling me in a different direction, but I I just, I don't know, there was something about it where I did not feel at peace to let it go. And um, I think that really helped me with my persistence of, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I, I knew God would work it out, but it was definitely a struggle of, this is what I'm feeling peace about is this really God's call or is that my own desire and trying to feel that balance
0: How long did it take to kind of work through that process
1: <laughs> So the flight was about 20 hours
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good answer <laughs> So
1: by the time I got back um yeah when I saw my parents I was pretty set on this is what I'm this is what feeling we're doing but I want your permission. And the moment my parents said fine, then, yeah, so we started. Like confirmation. Yes.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So that it he, wasn't too bad. He reopened the door. Yeah. Uh, and was... with
1: the other time that I was incredibly sick, God healed me physically 100%. And so I was like, well.
0: I guess that's an answer. That's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys for sharing with us today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I, I love the story of, of your heart. I love the fact that you started out reading VOM newsletters as a, as a teenager and how that has impacted your life. If you'd like to know more about Word by Heart, the the storytelling methodology that we've talked about today, if you come to vomradio.net, we will give you a link where you can find out some more information and and maybe get in contact with them uh, to sign up to have a seminar or go to the school and and learn how to tell stories that way. Again, our website is vomradio.net. And if you'll just find this episode, we will give you a link there. Peter and Ruth, Great to meet you today. Thank you for being our guests on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you missed any of today's conversation with Peter and Ruth, you can hear the whole thing at vomradio.net. You can also subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll never miss an episode. Next week, we're going to hear an enlightening conversation with Ali a gospel worker in the Islamic Republic of Iran. There's a lot of talk about Iran right now, but Ali is going to give us an inside look at what it's like to be a believer, to follow Christ, and to share the gospel there. I know you won't want to miss that conversation, so I hope you'll join us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.